going on, Ron and Don Nation? Did you know you can schedule your real estate sit-down with the guys? At rondonsitdown.com. That's rondonsitdown.com. And you'll get a free camp mall that says I sat down with Ron and Don. I have 13 of them. Maybe even the guys will take you camping with your new mug. Now back to the show. All right, you guys, here we go. It's episode 296 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, sometimes you don't get picked and what that feels like. Also, uh, we want to talk about the Seattle mayor because a lot of people are running for mayor. It looks like they're all unqualified and they're all saying the same thing. And they're basically saying the same things that Jenny Durkin said, that Mayor Murray said before. Ron calls Mayor Dumpster Fire, Mayor Nichols, and we'll just kind of go on back. So how are we going to change things up here in the city of Seattle? Uh, Talk about that. Before we talk about that, though, let's get to this. If you're traveling, and I'm doing a little traveling uh, coming up here. Go see my mom. Very excited about that. Haven't seen Virginia since the early days, right before the pandemic. She was here for Thanksgiving, and then of course we went through that winter, and then the pandemic hit. The uh, the the following kind of well, when would that be? That'd be February, March, April, somewhere in there, where uh, we all became aware of it, and then uh, we've built this incredible relationship. Just. Uh, Making sure that we can see you have it, have it, having dinner, you know, on Facetime, and my son playing his trumpet. In fact, uh, in going to see my mom, he wanted to know if he could bring his trumpet because he liked to continue to play for her. Nice which little think, concert time. Yeah, which I think is is really cool because she is one of the only ones that appreciates his trumpet playing. I like his trumpet playing. I don't know if I could do it every day. But <laughs> like I, I enjoy a little trumpet. Yeah. So so anyway, the good news is, and jumping off the plane there, mom has a car, so I don't have to rent a car. Uh, but I was looking in uh, car rentals, and then I was also pondering this question. I wanted to know why uh, car rentals are so damn expensive. They're saying right now in some places, people are actually renting, like they'll go to Hertz, and if they don't have a car for them to rent, they'll rent like a construction truck uh, or a panel truck, or they'll go to U-Haul. Some people are renting U-Hauls and driving a U-Haul around because a U-Haul is so much cheaper than a car rental. Just for a base rate on a car, you can pay anywhere for one day between $500 and $1,200 right now. What is going on? Those sound like California prices. Well, this is what happened. In the early days of the pandemic, and we all heard this thing about pivot, pivot, pivot. When I was in my 20s, I used to work at an auto auction. And Tuesdays, we... Is guys working at the auction? I started out just cleaning cars at the auction, and then later on, I would buy an auction off off cars myself. So anyway, we love Tuesdays because on Tuesdays that was the day that all the big companies were there, like from Hertz and all the rent a car companies, and they were there selling all the rentals. The reason we liked it is because every single day when you were at South Seattle Auto Auction. Uh, typically, you would just get these horrible hamburgers. But when you had Hertz rent a car there, for instance, sometimes they would be there because they're selling off their cars and they would provide a pretty good lunch and a pretty good dinner. So for a guy that's getting paid $12 an hour to clean cars, I was like into it, man. I loved it. So anyway, on Tuesdays, you would see 900, 
a thousand, twelve hundred cars go through all these auction lanes, and they'd be sold, sold, sold. And these are rental cars that rental companies own. And at some point, they need to have their cars off the books. And they also want to make sure that when they sell these cars, these cars still have some type of value. Because you all know how you drive a rental car, right? You know how you drive a rental car versus how you drive your own car. And the thing is, though, is a lot of these rental cars, even though they've been driven hard and put away wet, many of them have have great maintenance records. And so people are attracted to that. So many of the cars that you see out on the road today, remember the old Ford Taurus? My mom had a Ford Taurus. That's a rental car, right? Her her car came from one of these rental auctions. That's where I bought it for her. So anyway, think about think about this. The 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 rental companies out there said, you know what we need to do? We need to sell our fleet immediately. Immediately. So over seven hundred and seventy thousand cars were immediately auctioned off and immediately sold in COVID because they said, you know what, nobody's gonna be traveling. Nobody's going to be renting these cars, and then we're going to be stuck with these cars. So number one, a lot of these rental cars don't have cars. Number two, when and here's the word again, when they pivoted and they said, you know what? We need cars. People want to rent cars. They're renting U-Hauls. They want to. Re- they would even rent my mom's old Ford Taurus, which, by the way, when I put it in the auction lane one day, I spray, I spray painted the seats red. And then some of the guys that sat in the car didn't know that I just spray painted the, the seats red. When they got out, that they had red all over the back of their dress shirts. <laughs> One of the tricks of the trade, baby. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So, so now what's happening is there are no cars for these rental companies to purchase. So when you're going out to purchase for a car right now, you want to purchase it. The reason it's so expensive is because you are now up against some of these rental car companies that are trying to rent anything that they can find to serve the people now that are traveling. Uh, and we'll see what happens in this next wave if people continue to travel. I, I think they will. So then, then on top of that, a lot of these newer cars need microchips. And all of a sudden now, there's a worldwide shortage of these microchips and because of that, in certain parts, especially in, in the United States, especially in the Gulf South, where a lot of it's, it's not unionized down there. They broke the unions out of Detroit. They sent a lot of the work down to the Gulf South. A lot of cars are being built down there. A lot of airplanes like Boeing, right? They're down South Carolina. They're building things down there. And they are out of these microprocessor chips. So instead of building cars day and night, uh, sometimes the assembly lines aren't even running. So because of that, there's kind of this perfect storm. There's not a lot of cars for people that are competing now for those cars. You're going up against those rental companies. And it's one of the reasons why I have a 2015 Forerunner. It only has, I think, 54,000 miles on it. I get calls probably once a month in text messages from people, the place where I bought the car, from Matt where I bought the car, and then also other people that have bought information. They know I own this Forerunner, and they are willing. They, they said, just take, because uh, I still have the uh, the sticker and the glove box. I say, just take out the sticker, and whatever is on the sticker, that's what will pay for your car. How about that? Six years later, and I know you just sold a car, and you were kind of blown away by the fact of how much they were willing to pay for your car, too. Yeah, right? I had a Toyota truck that the lease was up on. I got $5,000 more than what I owed on the lease. 
And those lease numbers are pretty optimized. Like they do millions of leases. It's usually dialed in almost to the penny uh, by the time when your lease is going to be up. So the fact that I made five grand on that is amazing. This is happening all over the place. Like you mentioned in a previous show, lumber prices, and they, you know, expanded to a peak and are now seem to be coming down uh, as the supply chains get back open. But uh, we're seeing this across the board in almost every industry, food service, uh, labor shortages. The, the, the pandemic is really changing uh, a lot of things about the way we move throughout the world, physically and, and literally, and also figuratively. Um, I, I didn't, I, it makes sense now that you say it. Uh, I guess if you and I were the presidents of Ron and Don car rentals, we probably would have said, holy cow, we don't want to be holding, you know, a fleet of 10,000 vehicles at all these airports, like get rid of them. Like it makes complete sense. And then you go back now to buy cars in, in the car market because interest rates have been so low that car dealers can't uh, do buy any cars. So when I sold my truck, I had ordered my new rig six months in advance. Like I started test driving and I'm the guy that reads consumer reports and so i bought the suv of the year and i do that whole number and test drove them and it's like okay i want to get this one like okay six months from now we'll have it so i was like all right so i put my order in and it only took four and a half months uh, to come in but it what there's none on the lot like you go to a, a new car lots and they'll have like five cars it's it's insane like uh, when i was buying my new one the, the sales guy's like Dude, we just don't have any inventory. Like when the when the truck arrives uh, and we unload the, our vehicle shipment for the month, he's like, all of them are sold. Hmm. All I do is drive them off the truck. The detail shop cleans it and vacs it out. We put our, our uh, little license plate frame on there with our name on it. Someone comes and picks it up. Hmm. He's like, that's it. There, there are no cars on the lot. Yeah. Anyway. Have fun in Albuquerque. If you have a 1987 B2 Sundowner, I don't think you're going to get a factory sticker for that. See you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab Tires. Of course, when I think of Les Schwab, I think tires and I think wheels. But you know what? Les Schwab does a lot more than just tires and wheels. They are also known for safety, and they're a world-famous pre-trip safety checks. If you're like, hey, I'm going on a road trip, my car really hasn't left the driveway uh, in a year and a half, you should take it in for the free pre-trip safety check. It's worth $60, but at Les Schwab, they charge you $0. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to check out your alignment. They're going to check out your brakes. They're going to check out your battery, and they're going to check out your shocks. They're all obviously very important safety components for your vehicle. The pros at Les Schwab are happy to do this to you for free. They call it their free pre-trip safety check. Schedule yours right now at leschwab.com or go by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. They're everywhere. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. You can just tell that, they, uh, that they're that they just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we, you know, we got, we got some, some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. 
And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, uh, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that you know, Dawn's just down the street is is comforting. <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now, and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Dawn Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Ron and Don have a unique ability to get mass exposure at your home. And they're also very loud and annoying. When you're ready to talk about your real estate journey with the guys, just go to ronandonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys. Welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. It's episode 296, and we have a mayoral race coming up here. And I have to say the thing that is usually so disappointing to me about everyone that runs for mayor, most of them in my mind are not qualified. Uh, and if you can't run a Fortune 500 company, you shouldn't be running the city of Seattle. Uh, most of them come from the left. And if you come from the right, uh, and th this city needs a little to the right. It does. We need a little, we, we need a little Cleelum in us. Uh, we need a little Pierce County. Uh, we need a little Snohomish County here in King County uh, because of what is happening and what we're seeing happen right now to our city. And, I'm very, very concerned as I've been reading about some of the candidates. A lot of them are all saying the same thing or different vari or different variations of the same thing. And really, when you look at the policy of Mayor Jenny Durkin, it's the exact same policy that 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 Ed had before Jenny. She's got one foot out the door right now. Yeah. And so She's so anyway, we just water. last week we just went through this incredible weekend of violence. Uh, and I have a friend that, that works for SPD that, that was at all five crime scenes and the mayor came out and said, uh, we need a, this, this, this was her answer. We need a better police presence. Thanks, Jenny. In in a, in a city that really has voted a city council that has voted to defund the police. You've had over 300 police officers now walk off the job and take early retirement, or they're just clicking out time right now. Some of them have a year or two years, two and a half years. So they're getting that pay, and when they're done, they're going to leave. Um, many officers have joined other agencies and gone places that didn't want to defund the police. And it's interesting when Doc and Ed were here, who are our friends that are African-American, they're in their 50s and they're black activists. They said, we, we don't want to defund the police because one of the number one neighborhoods that is typically calling 911 
are neighborhoods, especially in black and brown communities, of older people that are calling and they're fearful about what's going on in the street corner or what's going on with the drive-by. They're concerned about that. So they're calling 911. And when you call 911, you're asking for services. So I, I just had to call the police uh, for an incident that happened in our in, around our building. And uh, it was 1230 in the morning. And the, they showed up, which cool. I was surprised, yeah, in probably great. about 10 minutes. That's awesome. Two officers, uh, one black officer, one white officer. They informed me as soon as they stepped out of the car, their body cams were on and uh, had, had a very pleasant uh, interaction with oh. these two officers of the SPD. They were extremely professional. Uh, they listened. They performed their job well. Like I was actually, I, I was thinking because of all the stuff that we've read about in research, I was like, okay, I'm going to call this in. It's not an emergency. I didn't call the 911 number. I called the non-emergency line. I was like, this is, you know, I'm going to be up till two in the morning waiting for them to come. It, it, they came relatively quickly and did a very professional job uh, for what we needed them to do. I don't want to describe it. It was nothing dangerous or whatever. It was just a situation that needed a police call. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't have enough of that. And it's funny when you're talking to them, they're sort of like, yeah, and stuff happened. I was like, oh, my my neighbor had her catalytic converter stolen out of her car. He's like, yeah, it's been happening in this neighborhood. Yeah, we kind of know who it is. It's like, you gonna arrest the guys or like what is the it's like yeah, they, just, they steal calorie converters it's like okay like i guess that's the game plan yeah we just you, we just know yeah and then and then the difficulty is are you are you gonna do jail time for stealing a catalytic converter uh not in this town currently and we can't arrest our way out of a lot of these things so i i think what this city needs right now is brutal honesty just really brutal honesty we don't need any more blue ribbon panels but we need brutal honesty and someone needs to tell us what are you going to do about defunding the police? What are you going to do about a lack of police presence? What are you going to do about crime everywhere? What are you going to do about a weekend where 19 people were shot, five people were dead in different neighborhoods, all the way from Chinatown to pioneer square. And it's not just the mayor. Uh, I mean, the mayor is important in the city of Seattle, but it is the council members. The council members here have an incredible amount of power. I would say that the Seattle city council members have more impact on our day-to-day lives than the president of the United States. True. So, you know, when you think about the amount of taxes that you could pay, uh, what you can do with your property, uh, what happens to your children at school, those, I think it was nine people, seven people, nine people, the the council members here locally have more sway on my life than any national politician. And even the mayor. Yeah, because they they invoke policies uh, about rental and about being a landlord uh, that are the most strict in, in America. They uh, do, they're imposing a new tax on employees for to guarantee long term health insurance. So it's like I, I guess that's I get where you're coming from, but really, yeah, like that's the you're enforcing that on people. Yeah, so like there are they make decisions that impact our pocketbook every day, and, and I, I agree with you. There has not been a politician. It, it's funny because you know you're from Chicago, and I remember going. I visited Chicago a number of times, and you would look at a project like the the Miracle Mile and Millennium Park, and you're like, how do who how'd they get this done? Like you're in, in downtown. Yeah, in the, two dailies that were, right. that were mayors. It's like it's the third largest city in America, prime real estate. And it's like, how did you get the political will to make a park, um, have all this retail? 
like refurbished this whole thing. It's like, who is like, oh, cause the dailies ran this thing like a, you know, like, yeah, a, like a, how the, did they run? I don't know if the dailies are the, the best example saying, of how we want to run the city of Seattle. It's a large city. <laughs> would you rather have that or would you rather have Seattle? If you had to choose between the two. I'd rather have Seattle without the dailies. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I'd rather have somebody get something done. You you must not know much about the dailies. I mean, I know that that's a great park and it was, there weren't tents everywhere. Yeah. I think it would take courage to say the things that need to be said, but if you said them, you wouldn't get elected. Correct. You can't get elected. So, uh, people have asked me, I, 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 like, look at the candidates, ask you, and even Bruce Harrell's going to run and it, and it's like, man. I don't need. I don't know if we need a guy that's just been sitting on the city council and now, uh, and now you're 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 going to take that job and you're going to become mayor. And I just anytime that's happened before, it would be it's, great it's to not, have it's, someone. It's not. It's not been. It's not been very memorable. If you could have an honest person that's that actually got elected. That would just scorch earth the thing. That would be the most refreshing thing in the in the world. Come out and go. The reason why this didn't happen is because of these yahoos. We were in a closed door meeting. This person, that person, and that person are in the pocket of special interest, and they wouldn't vote. You know what? Carmen kind of did that as a police chief, and she got run. Exactly. Yeah, she did that. See you on the other side. Hey, what's going on, Rod and Don Nation? This is Therese, a new team member on Ron and Don team. It's tough out there for buyers right now, and that's why you need a buyer specialist like me. Let's send you a buyer's playbook, and for you sellers, we have a seller's playbook. Reach out to the team, and let's do a sit-down, and we'll get you these playbooks. Just reach out to us at ronanddonsitdown.com, and we'll schedule a sit-down today. Now back to the show. All right, you guys, episode 296 of the Ron and Don Show. And as you heard, uh, Therese is one of our great buyer's agents. We have a great team. So uh, whenever we're ready to buy something, Ron gets involved, Therese gets involved, I get involved. And then we have a whole team and slew of people that uh, are going to work with you and for you to make sure we can take out the best deal possible. Want to sit down with us? Go to ronanddonsitdown.com and we can schedule a sit-down uh, today. Do you ever uh, grow up, not get picked for something? I, I remember... I fell in love with baseball kind of later in life. But when I was younger, my parents just kind of said, Hey, you, you can play, you can play two sports and decide what those two sports are going to be. And then you're going to work uh, when you're not playing sports. And so I've, I've, I have worked a lot my whole life and I wouldn't suggest, you know, I was, I was throwing newspapers. I think when I was 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. And I always had a newspaper route. And then I had multiple jobs on, on, on top of that. And some of those jobs we did together, whether it was cleaning carpets or uh, throwing newspapers and working in a yogurt shop. I, I drove a heister in a lumber yard. I worked at a Costco. I worked at a price club, just pushing carts, driving forklifts, loading trucks, working a lumber yard, doing all that stuff. And, and it, it, it was interesting. I, I had decided as I, as I, when I first got into high school that I really loved baseball. And so I would go... I, and I was playing for the Little League Mets. Uh, and this is my first year playing baseball, I think, in eighth grade. And I would either totally strike out or I would hit the ball as hard as I could. And sometimes it would get close to the fence. But most of the time, it would just be an embarrassing little foul, foul blooper in front of the plate. And then I have to run my off to get to first base. 
Now, the thing was, because I was so big and kind of fast compared to the rest of kids, if I could get to first base, it was guaranteed that I could get third base because I'd steal second, third. And then sometimes Mr. Ray, uh, Steve's dad, would signal because I was I was a big kid. And in eighth grade, I was, was almost as big as I am now. He, w- he would signal me to steal home and just run the catcher over. So that would be the deal. How could we get O'Neal on play on, on, on first base? How can we destroy this 10 year old? Sometimes I would go in and this, this, this is how good of a baseball player I'd be. If I didn't get on base, they would, they would hold me. They would bring me in to, to pinch run. Nice. Yeah. I bring So, so anyway, that worked for the Mets. And what I found out is when I got to high school and I wanted to compete and I wanted to be on the team, I remember sitting in these bleachers and they called all these names and then, uh, and what we found out is a group of kids that were sitting in the bleachers was the new baseball team. And the group of kids that was sitting in the other bleachers had not made the team. And that was the first time I had ever really been cut from anything. I was devastated. I'm still a little devastated. Still, to this day, there's still a little devastation of the embarrassment that I felt because... I was probably one of the best football players in our school, but I had grown up playing football, so I was good at it. But when it when it came to baseball, if you don't have that muscle memory from when you're young, you just you don't have it, and you're not gonna have it, and you're probably not gonna develop it. And 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 I didn't. So really bad baseball player who loved the game though, who just loved the game. And it is interesting because sometimes is is I'm being a parent now, and and my son is walking through life. I'm, I'm seeing these moments to to and I shared this story with him the other day when he felt left out or he wasn't picked for something. And you can't just brush that stuff under the carpet, man, because those feelings are real. Those are real. Fast forward to now. A couple years ago, someone who's part of the Ron and Don Nation reached out to Ron and we started having conversations about real estate. And so we've been working with them and, and Ron probably more than I for almost two years to not only find their dream home, but to help them sell their home. And we brought in the financing person. We brought in the contractor to fix things. And we were having these conversations with them. And being early on in the business, we didn't ask this question because we didn't know to. Hey, are, are we the only agents that you're talking to? And what we found out is almost two years later, we weren't the only agents but we'd spent a lot of time with these people on the on the phone. Ron spent a lot of time sending out listings. We've been out to the house. This is how we present the house. These are some of the things that we do the house. And 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 so we had this really cool friendship, I thought, in, in relationship. So I think it was maybe a couple months ago, Ron got a phone call and it was from this couple. And they ju- they had they had shared with Ron that they'd been cheating on us. <laughs> what they shared with him is that they, they had been talking to other realtors. And at the end of the day, they, they didn't pick us, that they had, that they had picked someone else. And, and, and we can sit here and say, that's no big deal or that's okay. Or that's all right. Or, Hey, we're happy for you. But I wasn't happy. I mean, it really makes you go and look in the mirror and you get a little bit of, well, you know, what did we do wrong? Or what's wrong with me? Or why did these people, you know, why did we spend two years of our lives with them and not a whole full two years, but staying in connection? And they never told us this. I was kind of devastated by it a little bit, you guys, in the same way that I was devastated when I was playing baseball and I was left on the, on, on the bleachers 
And and one of the coaches, the baseball coach, though, he was the football coach, too. And he just said, hey, O'Neal, you'll, you'll, you'll see a lot of time under the Friday night lights. So and playing football, don't worry about uh, baseball. You can't hit a curveball. Yeah, can't hit the curveball. So so any, anyway, th- this truth was shared with Ron by this couple. And then we hadn't really heard from them. And then she reached out to me the other day. And she wrote me a really cool letter. And she just said that during COVID, uh, they were trying to keep track of everything and the people that they were, because you, you should be able to talk to other realtors, just like when you're out shopping for a car. You talk to different salesmen that are in different things and can do different things for you. So anyway, she explained in this really lovely letter that they had connected with somebody else. She wished she would have told me earlier, but she said, we just had the courage to do that. Um, and, and at the end of it, um, she, she said some, some, some really, really nice things. And I have to stay. I'm still a little devastated by it. <laughs> well, you're, you're one of the most competitive people I don't know in if this it, room. I don't know. Is it, is it what is, is that competent? Cause I did appreciate her letter and I didn't need the letter, but, but it, it, what, what had happened? I actually, I, it concerned me enough that I talked about it in therapy. Right. And, and I'm just, and the thing that you learn in therapy is to not deny your feelings. Like I was always taught to stuff anger or don't show people you're mad or, or don't tell somebody you're upset. Uh, and I was kind of a little upset, mad, and angry. So I was working through that well, in therapy. The so. way that, that I my, that I've worked with my therapist, who believe it or not is is your therapist, because I recommended my therapist to you. So we had the same therapist, but yeah. maybe she has different techniques for us. Is um, I I frame things up totally different than that. I say, what was my responsibility in in this? And so looking back on that specific thing, I I could have done a lot of things. Like I could have very early on said, "Are we your agents?" Uh, and we've invested, you know, we've done three or four meetings now. Um, are we your guys? And if they say yes or no, like if give them the opportunity to say no, then yeah. Um, and, and then, which we do now we do, we do, we, right. So that's, we do that's that, a we, learning thing. We learn that we, say, we do that. Yeah. And I was just talking to Therese yesterday where it's like, Hey, you've now done two or three things with, with a different couple. And I said, maybe ask them if you're their agent. Uh, get them to sign a, a, an agreement with you that says that you are now working together as a team to get them their house. Um, so yeah, like there are things like that that I learned from it uh, because it, it was nobody's fault. Like you said, like we didn't know how to uh, do that very well, and so now hopefully we we can do it better. Yeah, yeah. I don't look at it like that. Damn it. Dude, that's nothing like <laughs> spending three years trying to be the lead quarterback of the team, and the uh, the guy that beat you out is the younger brother of the old quarterback that's now in college. Yeah, and even if he was, you were better than him. Your last name wasn't the same last name as the guy who was the legacy quarterback. Yeah, your last name was inquiring. Hey, bop bop bop. <laughs> His brother was my quarterback. Right. Yeah. He so, was a, he was really good. <laughs> the younger brother didn't get a scholarship. Oh, ouch. Ooh, anyway. I like I like him. Yeah. Anyway, hey, we uh we appreciated that letter though. It took a lot of courage uh, to write it, and I was actually very, very moved by it. It was very helpful. So 
I appreciate you guys writing that letter. All right. So if you need us, uh, just reach out, ronanddonsitdown.com, and we'll try to ask the right questions early on to find out if we're a good team. And sometimes we're not. And I can say they did find the house of their dreams. They're very, very happy. And, and I can say, and I had to work through it, that I am very happy for them. But, but I wasn't initially. <laughs> and anyone that says that they are, Go talk to my therapist. She'll put, she'll put the screws to you. Yeah. He's Ron. I'm Don. As I said, keep your head up, your shoulders back. That's episode 296. Please hit subscribe. Please give us five stars and please write something great about the show because it sends it out into the podcast verse. So we really appreciate that. And by hitting subscribe, you get the show every Monday, every Wednesday and Thursday, all brought to you by our good friends at Les Schwab. All right. We'll see you next time right here. Only! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.